Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, this is Dan Tronchek, and you are listening to the Taking Care of Business podcast. Um, we are, things are not slowing down, man. Every every, every time we, we, we uh, reach out and talk to people, uh, you know, we lead with how busy things are. And now we are at the beginning of what is peak season for home improvement. And there certainly don't seem to be many signs that this roller coaster is going to slow down anytime soon. And today's guest is a frequent guest on the podcast. It's Grant Farnsworth from the Farnsworth Group. And he's going to talk to us about what the numbers are showing, what we're seeing kind of uh, coming out of their COVID tracker index, but also kind of what they're hearing and seeing about what the uh, industry might have in store for it in the next few months. And, and, and a little bit more specifically, too, about uh, how some of the commodity availability and pricing issues are impacting projects. So uh, sit back and stay tuned. And right after this word from our sponsor, we'll be back talking with Grant Farnsworth. You know how your business stacks up against other average or high profit operators in the industry? Get your financial questions answered by participating in NHPA's 2021 Cost of Doing Business Study. Participation is free and easy. It takes just minutes to complete and your personal information is always kept confidential. When you participate in the study, you'll receive a free copy of the study, a $499 value, along with a personalized financial analysis of your operation with ratios and other financial tools. The deadline to participate in this year's study is fast approaching. To learn more or get started, visit yournhpa.org codb. Mr. Farnsworth, welcome back to the Taking Care of Business podcast. Uh, you, you, I think you might now have the title as the most frequent guest on our on our podcast. All right, uh, but it's always good to get insights from you. No, I'm honored, Dan. I, I'd make a joke about being like a frequent host on Saturday Night Live, but I'm not even sure if Saturday Night Live is still a valid cultural reference anymore. So, uh, <laughs> No, it's always good to uh, speak with you. Good to be back, and and, and honored to uh, to have the title. Uh, do do we get a punch card? Uh, some sort of you know frequent uh, program uh, thing. I, I think if you're I think if you're a guest two more times, I buy you a free cup of coffee, and you'll get a free <laughs> right. pair of podcast mug. <laughs> Worth every minute of it. Thanks for having us, Dan. Appreciate it. Um, so, uh, you know, I started the podcast off talking about how things are busy. How are things over at Farnsworth and Heary? Are you guys just as busy as everybody else these days? Yeah, the Farnsworth Group. So, again, for those that don't know, the Farnsworth Group is a, is a custom research firm that has been focused on the building products home improvement industry for over 30 years now. So our job is to get deeper, deeper, deeper insights around your customer brand and product to help understand the whys behind a lot of behaviors that we're seeing in the marketplace we work with both DIYers and contractors, and I can tell you for the last you know, six to nine months, we've been running at a breakneck pace. Um, I think there's a lot of movement, a lot of changes in the marketplace that, that our customers realize they need to understand um, that the way that business was done just two years ago isn't the way that business needs to be done today. So yeah, we're, we're, we're busy. We're fortunate. Um, we're, we're grateful for the work. And then um, on the other side is, is the Home Improvement Research Institute. So that is a member-driven nonprofit that we manage. Um, and they've seen membership grow uh, quite rapidly 
over the last year. And again, I think it's this need for manufacturers and suppliers alike to understand what is happening in the environment today. Where are DIYers and contractors going to buy? Why are they going there to buy? How, how is brand playing a role in decisions? You know, what are they, what are they looking for uh, when it comes to those uh, brand and product relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of activity in our space uh, from our perspective, and uh, we're, we're grateful to be a part of it, Dan. Well, I'd imagine every time we see these kind of seismic shifts in the industry, whether it's kind of what's happened with COVID or go back a little bit further and the kind of recession of the late aughts, you guys get real busy because I'd imagine whenever there's these big shifts in spending patterns, buying patterns, that everybody says, well, we need to we need to help have someone that's going to help give us some insights into what's going on. Is that is that kind of accurate or am I off base? <laughs> no, pretty accurate. Look, when, when the markets are healthy, certainly there's budgets. And when the markets aren't healthy, one of the first budgets to go is 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 some research. So, yes, that is accurate. Um, I will say, too, there's a number of things in the market um, other than, you know, COVID. For a while, we've had discussions around labor and challenges around labor. So, you know, for years now, we've seen a pretty good emphasis on product development research that we've been doing for our clients to come up with products and processes that help offset the reduction or challenge of skilled labor. So I, I think it's you know beyond COVID. There are some other factors at play. Uh, material costs, et cetera, that are driving um, some product development initiatives for a lot of manufacturers, um, you know, looking at product launches for the next, you know, two, three, four years. And what does that cycle look like? Uh, what are they planning for? What do they need to be planning for as we think about, again, some of these external forces that are really impacting the industry? Well, yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I think right now, everything you mentioned from uh, labor to product launches and all that is kind of, you know, COVID kind of sits at the center of that. And whether or not it's directly related, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's tentacles, if you will, reach out and touch those things. I mean, you know, I, I know that it seems like over the last, I, I, I wrote a column about this not too long ago that, that, you know, I was worried about one of the things out there being this, this concept of new product introduction drying up, you know, is that... I, Manufacturers have just been so um, pressed to keep up with demand. Uh, retailers have been working so hard on keeping their shelves filled and um, and just servicing the customers that are coming in through their doors. That and you add to that the fact that you know uh, the live shows where a lot of product introductions and launches right. didn't take place. You know, I was kind of getting concerned about. What is that going to mean in the next year or two in the industry? Because especially yeah. for independent retailers that are so dependent on, you know, really wanting to bring in new products to create that, um, you, you know, turnover in customers to try and get customers excited to come in and see the latest and, and greatest. Yeah. Kinda, it's kind of good to hear that you guys are working with groups that are focused a little bit on how are we going to launch products? And, 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 and so hopefully we'll see a lot of that in the coming months and year. I, I think we will. Um, I, I think it's natural. And what we've seen again, 30 plus years of researching the industry, natural for manufacturers to take a step back when they're kind of in survival mode. And, sure. yeah. you know, certainly the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of survival mode mentality, um, a lot of withdrawal of spend, what's going to happen. Um, let's just push what we have. Let's just sell what we have. Let's just try to maintain 
um, our top line. And then I think once people take a breath, um, start doing some research and understanding what's going on and the needs of the customer, whether it's the pro or the homeowner, that's when they start understanding where the opportunities lie. And I think that's always going to drive innovation. And, and this is relevant innovation that we're talking about, Dan, right? So it's not just innovation for innovation's sake, but really understanding the, the values, the needs, the expectations of customer to build product around that, not just a widget that's cool because they can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that used to always be the joke is, you know, well, we've sold this product with a red handle for years. We got a great innovation. We're going to launch it with a blue handle. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Look yeah. out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And so, so, you know, it just makes good sense. What you're talking about is to really get a thorough understanding of what consumer needs are driving innovation then letting your innovation follow those needs. And that's where you guys right. kind of sit in the middle is, is, is trying to help companies understand what, what consumers want and need. Do you think, and we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, but I, I like it, um, <laughs> is do you think that COVID is really going to shape um, or have an outsized impact on shaping kind of what consumers are looking for in products and what they want? What we're seeing right now is it's shaping more how they're looking for products, where they're shopping, where they're researching, how they expect to be able to buy, purchase the information that they're looking for. So, again, the idea of you know being able to check availability on and this is this is homeowners, this is pros, but, but being, being able to see kind of live time what availability looks like, how many are in stock, yeah. what aisle it's in at what store. Um, the information, the level of information and content materials, <laughs> the younger DIYers are looking still for a lot of videos and how to's. So how is that being shown? Um, again, the, 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 the acceleration of digital Dan is, as you know, been astronomical and it's not going away. So I think right now it's more about how customers are shopping. I think the, what they want to buy is more being impacted. Um, I think on the pro side with some of the labor piece of it. Oh, okay. So, you know, yeah. pros, pro, pros are looking for, for a product that is, you know, quicker, easier install, um, that's going to work, that's going to work well, that's high, high quality. You know, contractors are slammed right now. Um, our, yeah. our COVID tracker is showing that they're, they're, they're seeing more bids, they're seeing better closure rates, they're seeing larger projects. Uh, the Farnsworth Contractor Index that we do on a quarterly basis is seeing more, more and more positive sentiment across five different contractor segments that we track. <clears throat> so they're busy. Uh, what yeah. they need is support and service and, and, and help. And part of that comes on the product side where they can install a product that is going to withstand the test of time. It's going to go in quickly. It's going, going to go in easily. There's no callbacks. Um, I, can, I can install it with, with one laborer instead of two. Yeah. That is a help. Um, and I think that's where we're seeing some of the what they're buying is being impacted probably more on the contractor side. I think on the consumer side, there's still some opportunities that we're seeing as well. When we think about um, you know, sustainability, uh, more environmentally conscious products, um, and then certainly products across the board that solve issues that have come up because of COVID or, 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 or highlighted issues that have come up because of COVID, such as um, health and wellness in the home, okay. you know, outdoor products, right? So I think I think there are some categories that are now kind of keyed on some product development, product messaging. Uh, but again, I think there, there's probably a lot more around how folks are shopping and buying, um, and then we'll start seeing following that. I think what they are they are buying. 
you know, I, I think that uh, prior to COVID, and, and we've talked a little bit about this before, Grant, I would give a lot of presentations and I would always kind of admonish, particularly the independent retailers out there about, you, you know, e-commerce and doing business and engaging with consumers online and, and in multiple kind of omni-channel formats was quickly becoming a necessity if you want to operate a successful retail uh, operation. Yep. And, and now, you know, what I say when I talk about the same subject is COVID was the great accelerator. Um, and and I think that, I, I knock on wood here, um, that, that we've seen a lot more independent retailers realize that and have taken the opportunities that have been given them through COVID to really ramp up their e-commerce outreach. You know, I know about midway through the pandemic, we had asked, uh, we had sent a survey out to independent retailers and we learned that of the retailers we talked to, nearly three quarters had implemented some kind of curbside pickup service for their stores. Yep. And I think what we're seeing also is those retailers who kind of said during COVID, how do I create something just to solve a problem? Right now, I can't have as many customers yeah. in my store. Customers aren't comfortable in my store. How do I create something out of whole cloth where, where I can have a, a curbside pickup? But what I've noticed over the last six months or so is retailers then refining this and saying, okay, well, that worked. That worked during the beginning of the pandemic, but now I see it as a business advantage and I'm looking for ways to uh, exactly. to refine it and make it more a part of my operation moving forward, whether that's e-com or curbside pickup or a combination of both. You got um, it. You feel that's kind of in line with what, you, what, what you're talking about, what you think consumers are going to demand from retailers in this space? 100%, Dan. And that's what I was talking about, the, the how customers yeah. are shopping to how they're getting information has changed and it's not going away. The the term we hear a lot of times is, is stickiness. Our clients are asking, yeah. you, know, what, you know, what do you think is going to stick? What do you think is going to stick? Well, we now have data that shows what is sticking. We, we, we're 13, 14, 15 months deep into this. So we know now um, that not only are the expectations that I can shop online, order online, but I expect both DIYers and, and, and contractors, we've got data on this. They expect their suppliers to offer um, curbside pickup. They expect their their suppliers to offer, um, you know, ordering online, delivering on site or at the home. Um, yeah, those are expectations because they've all learned their efficiencies. They've they've all learned that this is almost a more convenient, easier way to do business. And so, if you are that independent that is not offering those services. You put yourself in real risk, real risk. Yeah. Uh, because as he said, you've probably got the, the, the independent next door that is going to be offering those things now, not because they have to, but because they need to, to compete and deliver the customer needs. So absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and, and I just think it's interesting. I had an incident just yesterday where um, I was, you know, working from my home office and my wife had run out to do some things and, and our doorbell rang and I was like, what's that? So I, like everybody today, I have the, we have the camera system. I looked down, it was a grocery delivery and my wife had ordered groceries and she ran out and didn't realize it was going to get delivered. But I went down there and I kind of was asking my wife, you know, I'm like, you know, we could go back to the grocery store. It's okay. You know, we could go, well, we're both vaccinated. <laughs> we could go back to the grocery store. And she's like, yeah, but it's just so easy for me to fill it out online. And it's and, just and so easy. They bring it. You know, 
And, and again, I, I use my wife so frequently to talk about things like this and consumer behavior, but, <laughs> but it, just, it just continues to underscore this concept of, of she learned that habit during COVID. And now, right. like I said, we've both been vaccinated since early spring. Going to the grocery store is no big deal for us. And mm-hmm. and yet she still, you know, practices this habit. And that's not going to change, you know, and uh, and and, I, and I'm sure she would make decisions about, well, there's the grocery store where I have to go in and do it. Or is the, there's the one where I could go ahead and place the order, do the things I want to do. And then when they bring it, I'll just bring it in and put it away, you know. Yep. And I know it could be a little bit different with home improvement and 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 might not necessarily be what you want delivered to your door, but it's not that different. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about that, Dan. So I'd love to share some results. You know, we, we, we've been doing our COVID oh, yeah. tracker in partnership with the Home Improvement Research Institutes. Um, it, it's all free information. You can go to the farnsworthgroup.com slash COVID uh, to get the data. Um, but we've been looking at uh, the data for the last you know, couple of months of vaccinated versus non-vaccinated for both uh, contractors as well as DIYers. Your narratives of, you know, your wife and we, we we can run out to the store. You know, we, we, we've we've done our job. We're vaccinated. We, we you know we stayed home when we need to stay home, but we're okay now to to go out and about. But yet she still chooses to stay home. And no, 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 I'll just order it next time. Yeah, we're seeing a very similar thing in DIY activity for home improvement. So our expectations, I think, a lot of our industry expectations, once vaccines started rolling out, was okay. Well, as the population becomes more vaccinated, they're going to stop worrying about their home. They're going to stop thinking about their home. They're going to stop working on their home. They're going to stop going online. They're going to do all these other things that for 12 months they couldn't do, for 10 months they couldn't do, whatever the case may be. They're going to to go back in store. They're going to travel the globe. Uh, You know, all of this greatness, right? And and, and, oh my gosh, uh, home improvement work is, is going to fall off a cliff. In fact, when you looked at the forecasts for this year on the DIY side, a lot of forecasts had DIY product sales being relatively flat. Over yeah. over last year, which listen flat over last year, I'd, I'd take because we had huge growth. Still solid. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we've seen is, and you, Dan, you know this better than I. We're outperforming last yeah. year so far, from 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 a, from a yeah. home improvement retail sales standpoint. And so when we look at the data of vaccinated DIYers versus non-vaccinated DIYers. Um, one of the questions we ask is, have you started any new projects, any new DIY projects around your home in the last two to three weeks? The data is almost the same between vaccinated and, and, and non-vaccinated. In fact, it's identical between um, millennials, vaccinated and non. Both said 73%. I've done a project you know, the last you know, two, three weeks around my home. It's not until we get to the older generations where we see a little bit of a difference, uh, where we see the non-vaccinated doing slightly more DIY projects, but it's negligible. I mean, it, it is almost identical. So again, you know, First thing that we see that's, gosh, that's, that's a little bit counterintuitive. I, I would have guessed that the vaccinated would have retracted quite a bit from DIY activities because they're out doing other stuff. Doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, when we look at uh, planned projects, so are you, are you planning to start a project in the next few weeks? It's identical. Yeah. Overall, we've got 74% of vaccinated DIYers saying, yeah, I'm planning something. And non-vaccinated is also at 74%. Yeah. So that was point number two. Point number three is, OK, well, well surely, you know, we, we had this we, we had this you know, belief that 
once you're vaccinated, again, this goes back to the story of your wife. We're vaccinated, so surely we're going to be going back in store. It's yeah. actually the opposite. Vaccinated DIYers, in some cases, are 15% more likely to buy online than not yeah, vaccinated. I, in, in looking at those numbers, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording today, and I said the same thing. I said it when I first looked at this, I was like, well, this, this, you know, just by what you would expect doesn't make sense because because kind of across the board. You know, having the numbers in front of me, vaccinated DIYers on their propensity to shop in store is actually 10 percent lower than non-vaccinated DIYers. Yep. And then and then it's kind of the same thing when you look at uh, online. It's the opposite. It, looking at the group as a whole, 47 percent of vaccinated DIYers said that they're, they're more likely to uh, buy, shop online and have product delivered to their home versus 40 percent of non-vaccinated. So. Right. So it's. Uh, to use your word there, it's it's kind of counterintuitive, but right. it, it, it also, I think, in a lot of ways, a good sign because, it, like you said, I think the the uh, the uh, logic was well, once someone gets vaccinated, the world's back open to them, and they're not going to be at their home doing projects. They're going to be out going to ball games and uh, you know uh, concerts and all that kind of stuff. But this is, if anything, is showing that right. the the distribution of the vaccine and the eradication, hopefully, of, of COVID isn't, isn't an indicator of uh, plans to engage in DIY right. for sure. Yeah. And this is, this is so I'm going to bring, bring back that word stickiness, right, Dan? So th this is how we know, this is how we're, we're, one more way that we know things are sticking, right? We, yeah. We've now got, uh, you know, data of, you know, half of the, at least half of the respondent base of the DIYers are vaccinated. Yet those behaviors haven't changed. Online hasn't gone away where we expected it to go away. Um, you know, DIY activity hasn't gone away where we expected it to go, to go, to go away. So I, I think, you know, th this isn't to say that homeowners and DIYers aren't spending elsewhere. Um, we see the data, we see the government data, and we know that in, you know, um, March was, was a great surge in uh, consumer spending. Um, April, you know, consumer spending rose again, 0.5%. So we know they're spending more, uh, but we, we, they aren't leaving their homes the way that we thought they might. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with a lasting impact, the imprint of COVID on how they right. view their home, how they view their space and what they want to do to it. Keep in mind, too, Daniel, we talk a lot about industry fundamentals right now and housing inventory, both new and existing, is terribly low. Right. So if a homeowner, if a consumer wants a change in their space, you know, 10 years ago, you might've said, oh, we'll just go move. You know, we'll, we'll just go to the next neighborhood and, and just get a house that more fits our needs. You don't have that option today. You don't right. have the inventory to choose from and you may not want to pay the prices. In fact, we're starting to see uh, uh, consumers withdraw from the home buying market because they're saying, you know what, this, this, these prices are getting right. out of control. So what do you do instead? Well, I've got, I've got nowhere to go and I don't, and I don't want to pay these prices if I can find some place to go. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do stuff to my house to make it the way that I want it. Well, and I think another factor that that plays well for home improvement that, that kind of butts right up to what you're talking about is as housing prices are really seeing some of these unprecedented increases is, is exactly what you said. 
there's people saying, man, I sure, you know, I, I my, my, house, my current house is worth more than it has ever been worth. So I'd love to be able to sell yeah. it and reap that profit. But then you got to go buy another house at those inflated prices or <laughs> maybe not inflated, but what, what, what the prices right. are. So what, combine that with the fact that interest rates are still really low and you get a lot more people that That's are right. now able to say, well, you know, I might not sell my house because I'd have to go buy something else. But what I can do is tap into some of that equity to make a lot of improvements around my home and do it in, a fish, in an efficient way because, uh, because I'm not necessarily um, uh, going to sell my house anytime soon and I'm going to be here for a while. You know, Dan, to that point, this is exactly where we're starting to see uh, contractor activity picking up. And, and those are the fundamentals behind it. Um, home equity right now is insanely positive in the U.S. Uh, we're looking at nationally um, to be around 2025. I've, I've heard even forecasts of 30 percent year over year uh, growth in home value. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. So you're exactly right. Those, those fundamentals are, are now showing up in contractor behavior. It's now showing up in contractor data. It's now showing up in contractor activity. Not only are they busy with more projects than, than they can handle, um, but the, pr the project size is beginning to increase. A lot of because of what you said, Dan, I've got, this, I've got this money that's really cheap to borrow against my home. I can't go out and find the house that I want at a price I want. So I'm just going to go ahead and redo the entire kitchen of this house and put on an extra office space, whatever the case may be. So we are seeing that data and we are seeing the impact on the contractor side as well. We are very bullish on home improvement uh, renovations, contractor activity for the next couple of years because of the fundamentals of you know low rates as well as high equity and then low inventory in the mix as well. So I think the contractor side, when we think about the independence, the role of the independence and, and who the independence can be serving – um, is now gone beyond just the DIYer, which is which is where we really lived during COVID, and it's now really bringing in the contractor that's going to be strong. We believe for the next couple of years, at least going forward. Well, Grant, let me ask you this: Is um, you, you know, while everything you know, we've talked about a lot of the positives out there. There are some challenges. Some of those being pricing on commodity items, all the things mm -hmm. we talked about, all the products we're being engaged in. Plus some of the things that are a little bit less, you know, kind of COVID related that are, you know, the the ice storms in Texas that caused some of the resin problems, the the Suez Canal, mm -hmm. Suez Canal, everything else that has caused, you know, some of these issues on commodity pricing and, you know, uh, uh, which is also driving the price of construction on new homes and construction in general. When does that start creating a, a, a very serious inhibitor to growth yeah. of the industry? And do you think that that ultimately kind of becomes the balancing point to some of the growth that we're seeing? Yeah, I think I think it's already restricting some growth. I mean, if you look at the new housing side of things, supply chain and material prices are and labor, those those three things are really limiting how quickly these big builders can get up uh, to, to, you know, service demand. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, again, uh, demographics out there, population demographics, demand, et cetera, that would suggest, you know, we, we need to be doing, you know, two million homes a year for the next, you know, several years to just keep to meet the demand that's been been pent up and, and is out there right now. Right. Um we, we, we can't. Um the material isn't there, the labor isn't there, you know, the the, the costs are, are getting out of control. So I think we're already seeing that from a capacity standpoint impacting the market. I think we are starting to see that 
uh, just recently with homeowners retracting a little bit from the, the home buying market. I don't know that we've seen that yet um, on the renovation side of things. I, okay. I think we will, Dan. I think this is a real concern that it is, is you know, the industry is right for talking about pretty regularly is, you know, the cost of materials, um, the availability of materials, availability of labor. Um, all of those things are really impacting, you know, pricing and, and, and timing. And I, I think it's just, I think it's just a matter of time before that homeowner says, you know what, that's, I'm going to wait for a year and pay 30% less at that point uh, because I'm tired of everything getting passed on to me, the homeowner. Um, so I, we haven't seen it yet from the demand side on renovations. We're starting to just now see it on the demand side for home buying. Very important right. to be watching for Dan. I, th I think I think you're right. We we got to be we got to be keen to these these areas and and how do we respond as manufacturers? How do we respond as suppliers to make sure that we're still able to meet the needs of some of our our customers that may be sensitive to the financials? What uh, you know, we're pretty much right now sitting at the halfway point of 2021, which is just unbelievable. Crazy that we're halfway through the year. Um, if, you know, I, I think, and I've mentioned this before, I think independent retailers and, and, and home improvement and paint are overall a pretty, um, a pretty, I'll just say it, kind of pessimistic in their outlooks in general. Um, so I, I kind of found it interesting last year that almost every month when I would talk to different retailers, they'd say, oh, this is, uh, we're having a great month this month, but I'm sure it's going to come crashing down next month. And, and it never crashed, you know. And, and everybody at the end of the year, we asked them, we did some surveys about how you're going to be budgeting for this year. Most everybody was budgeting flat to down. Now here we are six months into the year and I get the same conversations. Everybody's like, well, you know, we comped real well during the first quarter and, and we, we had a pretty <laughs> solid April, but I'm sure that the last half of the year, we're, we're just going to be lucky to, 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 you know, end up flat. What do you think? What do you guys think? Of what the, what's in store in the last six months for home improvement? Oh boy! Yeah, I, I, if if I knew Dan, um, I'd be really good at investing. And um, no offense, but I'd probably be sitting on an island not talking to you. So, um, look, it, it, the way that that we would approach it would be, you know, looking at some historicals, looking at current behaviors, you know, looking at um, you know values and, and attitudes and, and and patterns in the data. So when we think about this time last year, June was the peak of DIY activity from our data set. So we saw, yeah. you know, after June, everything tail off. And that's typically the case, right? So even in non-COVID years, there's, there's a big seasonality yeah. to a lot of the DIY work that's done out there. So we would certainly expect that again this year. I think, uh, I think we're going to probably mirror pretty similar to last year. I don't think things are going to fall off a cliff. Uh, I, you know, we, we, we don't see any data. We don't see any behaviors. We don't see any, um, you know, contractor research that or I'm sorry, DIY research that would suggest that they're going to retract from the market in mass, you know, yeah. come, come July. Right. Um, I think we're going to see um, a retraction just as we do every year in July, August, September. Um, we've got a lot of um, summer vacations that are probably going to happen this year that maybe didn't last year. Yeah. Um, and then once we get into, you know, October, November, December, that's, you know, those are the cold months, those are holiday months. So I think we'll be, I think we'll be pretty similar to last year when we look at July through December 
from a sales and activity standpoint, I don't see us being, I mean, maybe, maybe slightly down over last year uh, at yeah. worst. Um, but I don't see any indications that all of a sudden DIY activity is just going to drop, um, you know, 50%. It, it just, I just don't, we just don't believe it. We don't see it in the data. And I think from, 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 uh, from, from your mouth to God's ears, as they say, and, and, and I think it, most retailers would consider that even flat to slightly down for the last six months of the year would probably represent a growth year because, uh, you know, we were looking at the first quarter of 2021 and, you know, in, a, in kind of a non-statistical sample, but, but you know, we saw growth right in the low 20s, you know, over oh, yeah. Q1 of 2020, right around 23, 23 and a half uh, uh, points. And and so a flat back half of the year would probably, you know, allow retailers to carry that Q1 growth into into the end of the year. So, you know, all in all, a good, strong positive. Absolutely. And I would I would say this too, Dan. So start looking at your your contractor base. You know, what segments yeah. are you serving? What segments can you serve? Because this is a way to offset any sort of flatness or even slight decline in DIY activity can easily be overcome yeah. by a lot of the, the strong contractor activity. So great opportunity for a lot of independents to evaluate which trade segments they can and do serve. And make sure you're giving them their proper due as well, because if you want to continue some growth, if you want to continue some, some you know, month over month, year over year um, comp increases, um, it may be coming from, you know, some of that, that supplemental contractor business um, over the last six months and throughout 2022. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Diversifying your, your operation, looking for where you can um, balance it with contractor versus DIY sales, all, all very solid advice. And another piece of solid advice is if you aren't signed up for the Farnsworth COVID tracker to, to make sure you sign up for it. Like Grant said, it's absolutely free. And all you have to do is go to the Farnsworth Group uh, website and, and sign up, click on the COVID tracker link and sign up for it. And you'll start getting these reports. And like I said, there, you know, we talked about today, there's a lot of interesting information in there, not only about, uh, you know, how consumers and how contractors are planning projects and what projects they're, they're, they're working on, but those other insights into things like vaccinated and non-vaccinated behavior that, that are just, if nothing else, interesting to look at. So, so Grant, uh, one more time to sign up for the COVID tracker or to learn more about Farnsworth Group, just make sure where, where are people going to go for that? Yeah, you can visit thefarnsworthgroup.com. You can also go to thefarnsworthgroup.com slash COVID. All right. Grant, once and again. And for those, I, I a, quick, a quick shout out to Dan. So for those that are, are not members of HERI, the Home Improvement Research Institute is also a great source of all That's things good. home improvement, a fundamental kind of secondary source of information for home improvement. And you can go to HIRI.org to learn more about that nonprofit organization. Yeah, and 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 uh, a plug for Heary is they have so much in-depth information, and when you look at the investment in becoming a member of Heary, my gosh, you get that back in in spades with the with the research that they have available that can really right. help drive your business to. Speed. That's right. It's immediately available. It's it's off the shelf. It's 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 right there. Once you become a member, you've got access to all kinds of great fundamental information for the home improvement industry. 
Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great stuff they've got. Grant, as always, thanks so much for coming on and, and, and helping us sort through things that are going on. Uh, another another 30 days or so goes by. We'll have you back on and, and hopefully <laughs> we're still talking about all the positive momentum the industry has. But uh, as always, thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Dan. It's always good being with you. Enjoy the rest of the week. All right. Thanks. You too. Today's retail market is rapidly changing. This year, gain the skills you need to grow your business and learn how to make a profit-focused strategy for the future. The NHPA Retail Management Certification Program will provide you with college-level training on everything from business strategy and financial management to marketing, merchandising, operations, and more. Classes are taught by successful retailers, industry experts, and collegiate professors. Don't wait. Classes start soon. Apply by July 1st to start your certification. Scholarships are also available. Learn more and apply today at yournhpa.org backslash RMCP.